Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up where you can subscribe to receive a daily excellent email, including both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we start a new chapter, chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality. We'll be reading the introduction, section one, as well as section two, substitution as a defense. Hmm. We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 198. Only my condemnation injures me. Only my condemnation injures me. And by way of opening this morning, I found a really a sweet poet that I've been unfamiliar with. His name is Jimmy Osborne. And he offers this poem called Letting Go. We must let go of those hurtful things that burn and hiss and bite and sting, that hurt the heart and clip our wings where we can't fly and we can't sing. I think it's time to turn the page, turn to the light, and quiet the rage. Forgive the slights we cannot change and spread our wings to escape this cage. Isn't that a sweet little poem about the release that we get from letting condemnation go? Oh, yes. Sure is. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. It's very sweet. Yes, it was. He writes poems for the soul. Um, So anyway, thanks, you guys. And here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, Donna, Robin Marie, Karen, Lana, and Sandra. Has anyone else come along? Like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Hi, Jessica. I can read. Thanks, Jessica. And did I hear Lemoyne? You did. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Lemoyne. I'll put you at the end now. That'll make it different, won't it? Okay. So, brand new chapter. Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality, starting with Section 1, Introduction. Paragraph 1. To substitute is to accept instead. If you would but consider exactly what this entails, you would perceive at once how much at variance this is with the goal the Holy Spirit has given you and would accomplish for you. To substitute is to choose between, renouncing one in favor of the other. For this special purpose, one is judged more valuable than the other is replaced by him. The relationship in which the substitution occurred is thus fragmented and its purpose split accordingly. To fragment 
is to exclude. And substitution is the strongest defense the ego has for separation. Ephraim. Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality. One Introduction. To substitute is to accept instead. If you would but consider exactly what this entails, you would perceive at once how much at variance this is with the goal the Holy Spirit has given you and what accomplished for you. To substitute is to choose between, renouncing one in favor of the other. For this special purpose, one is judged more valuable and the other is replaced by him. The relationship in which the substitution occurred is thus fragmented and its purpose split accordingly. To fragment is to exclude, and substitution is the strongest defense the ego has for separation. Two, the Holy Spirit never uses substitutes. Where the ego perceives one person as a replacement for another, the Holy Spirit sees them join and invisible. He does not judge between them, knowing they are one. Being united, they are one because they are the same. Substitution is clearly a process in which they are perceived as different. One would unite, the other separate. Nothing can come between what God has joined and what the Holy Spirit sees as one, but everything seems to come between the fragmented relationships the ego sponsors to destroy. Thank you, Fran. And Donna? Two, the Holy Spirit never substitutes. Where the ego perceives one person as a replacement for another, the Holy Spirit sees them joined and indivisible. He does not judge between them, knowing they are one. Being united, being united, they are one because they are the same. Substitution is clearly a process in which they are perceived as different. One would unite, the other separate. Nothing can come between what God has joined and what the Holy Spirit sees as one. But everything seems to come between the fragmented relationships the ego sponsors to destroy. Three, the one emotion in which substitution is impossible is love. Fear involves substitution by definition, for it is love's replacement. Fear is both a fragmented and a fragmenting emotion. It seems to take many forms, and each seems to require a different form of acting out for satisfaction. While this appears to introduce quite variable behavior, a far more serious effect lies in the fragmented perception from which the behavior stems. No one is seen complete. The body is emphasized with special emphasis on certain parts and used as the standard for comparison for either acceptance or rejection or suitability or for acting out a special form of fear. 
Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie, are you able to read three and roll right into the next section, please? Yes. Thank you. Three, the one emotion in which substitution is impossible is love. Fear involves substitution by definition, for it is love's replacement. Fear is both a fragmented and a fragmenting emotion. It seems to take many forms, and each seems to require a different form of acting out for satisfaction. While this appears to introduce quite variable behavior, a far more serious effect lies in the fragmented perception from which the behavior stems. No one is seen complete. The body is emphasized with special emphasis on certain parts and used as the standard for comparison for either acceptance or rejection of suitability for acting out a special form of fear. Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality 2, Substitution as a Defense. You who believe that God is fear made but one, you who believe that God is fear made but one substitution It has taken many forms because it was a substitution of illusion for truth, of fragmentation for wholeness. It has become so splintered and subdivided and divided again over and over that it is now almost impossible to perceive it once, to perceive it once was one and still is what it was. That one error which brought truth to illusion, infinity to time, and life to death was all you ever made. Your whole world rests upon it. Everything you see reflects it, and every special relationship which you have ever made is part of it. Thank you, Robin Marie. I'm Karen. Chapter 18, The Dream and Reality. Section 2, Substitution as a Defense. Paragraph 4. You who believe that God is fear made but one substitution. It has taken many forms because it was the substitution of illusion for truth of fragmentation for wholeness. It has become so splintered and subdivided and divided again over and over that it is now almost impossible to perceive it once was one and still is what it was. That one error which brought truth to illusion, infinity to time and life to death was all you ever made. Your whole world rests upon it. Everything you see reflects it. And every special relationship which you have ever made is part of it. Five, you have expressed surprise at hearing how very different is reality from what you see. You do not realize the magnitude of that one error. 
It was so vast and so completely incredible that from it, a world of total unreality had to emerge. Where, what else could come of it? Its fragmented aspects are fearful enough as you begin to look at them, but nothing you have seen begins to show you the enormity of the original error which seemed to cast you out of heaven to shatter knowledge into meaningless bits of disunited perceptions and to force you to further substitutions. Thank you, Karen. And Lena. Okay. Five. You had you have expressed surprise at hearing how very different is reality from what you see. You do not realize the magnitude of that one error. It was so vast and so completely incredible that from it a world of total unreality had to emerge. What else could come of it? Its fragmented aspects are fearful enough as you begin to look at them, but nothing you have seen begins to show you the enormity of the original error, which seemed to cast you out of heaven to shatter knowledge into meaningless bits of disunited perceptions and to force you to further substitution. That was the first projection of error outward. The world arose to hide it and became the screen on which it was projected and drawn between you and the truth. For truth extends inward where the idea of loss is meaningless and only increase is conceivable. Do you really think it's strange that a world in which everything is backwards and upside down arose from this? It, in brackets, it was inevitable. For truth brought to this could only remain within in quiet and take no part in all the mad projections, projection by which this world was made. Call it not sin, but madness, for such it was, and so it still remains. Invest it not with guilt, for guilt implies it was accomplished in reality, and above all, be not afraid of it. When you seem to see some twisted form of the original error rise to frighten you, say only, God is not fear, but love, and it will disappear. Thank you, Lana. And Sandra. Six. That was the first projection of error outward. The world arose to hide it and become the screen on which it was projected and drawn between you and the truth. For truth extends inward where the idea of loss is meaningless and only increase is conceivable. 
Do you really think it's strange that a world in which everything is backwards and upside down arose from this? It was inevitable. For truth brought to this could only remain within in quiet and take no part in all the mad projection by which the world was made. Call it not sin but madness, for such it was. And so it still remains. Invest it not with guilt, for guilt implies it was accomplished in reality. And above all, be not afraid of it. When you seem to see some twisted form of the original error rise to frighten you, they only, God is not fear but love, and it will disappear. 7. The truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Inward is vanity. Insanity is outside you. You but believe it is the other way. The truth is outside and error and guilt within. Your little senseless substitutions, touched with insanity and swirling lightly off on a mad course like feathers dancing insanely in the wind, have no substance. They fuse and merge and separate in shifting and totally meaningless pa- and totally meaningless patterns which need not be judged at all. To judge them individually is pointless. Their tiny differences in form are no real differences at all. None of them matters that they have in common and nothing else, that they have in common and nothing else. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? Thank you, Sandra. And Jessica. Seven. The truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Inward is sanity. Insanity is outside you. But you believe it is the other way, that truth is outside and error and guilt within. Your little senseless substitutions, touched with insanity and swirling lightly off, on a mad course, like feathers dancing insanely in the wind, have no substance. They fuse and merge and separate in shifting and totally meaningless patterns, which need not be judged at all. To judge them individually is pointless. Their tiny differences in form are no real differences at all. None of them matters. That they what that they have that they have in common and nothing else. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? Eight. Let them all go dancing in the wind, dipping and turning, till they disappear from sight, far far outside you, and turn you to the stately calm within, where in holy stillness dwells the living God you never left and who never left you. The Holy Spirit takes you gently by the hand and retraces with you 
your mad journey outside yourself, leading you gently back to the truth and safety within. He brings all your insane projections and your wild substitutions which you have placed outside you to the truth. Thus, he reverses the course of insanity and restores you to reason. Thank you, Jessica. And Lemoyne. All right. Thank you, Lori. You know, back up a sentence. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? Let them all go, dancing in the wind, dipping and turning, till they disappear from sight, far, far outside you, and turn you to the stately calm within, wherein holy stillness dwells the living God you never left, and who never left you. The Holy Spirit takes you gently by the hand and retraces with you your mad journey outside yourself, leading you gently back to the truth and safety within. He brings all your insane projections and your wild substitutions, which you have placed outside you, to the truth. He, thus, he reverses the course of insanity and restores you to reason. In your relationship, where he has taken charge of everything at your request, he has set the course inward to the truth you share. In the mad world outside you, nothing can be shared but only substituted, and sharing and substituting have nothing in common in reality. Within yourselves, you love each other with a perfect love. Here is holy ground in which no substitution can enter and where only the truth about each other can abide. Here you are joined in God as much together as you are with Him. The original error has not entered here, nor ever will. Here is the radiant truth to which the Holy Spirit has committed your relationship. Let him bring it here where you would have it be. Give him but a little faith in each other to help him show you that no substitute you made for heaven can keep you from it. In you there is no separation and no substitute can keep you from each other. Your reality was God's creation and has no substitute. Thank you, LeMoyne. Um, and would there be a new reader for 9 and 10? Anyone joined us that would like to read 9 and 10? Yes, good morning, Lori. I would love to do it. Thanks, Judy. In your relationship, where he has taken charge of everything at your request, 
He has set the course inward to the truth you share. In the mad world outside you, nothing can be shared but only substituted. And sharing and substituting have nothing in common in reality. Within yourselves you love each other with a perfect love. Here is holy ground in which no substitutes can enter and where only the truth about each other can abide. Here you are joined in God as much together as you are with Him. The original air has not entered here nor ever will. Here is the radiant truth to which the Holy Spirit has committed your relationship. Let him bring it here, where you would have it be. Give him but a little faith in each other to help him show you that no substitute you made for heaven can keep you from it. In you, there is no separation, and no substitute can keep you from each other. Your reality was God's own creation and has no substitute. You are so firmly joined in truth that only God is there. And he would never accept something else Instead of you, he loves you both equally and as one. And as he loves you, so you are. You are not joined together in illusions, but in the capital thought, so holy and so perfect that illusions cannot remain to darken the holy place in which you stand together. God is with you, my brothers. Let us join in him in peace and gratitude and accept his gift as our most holy and perfect reality which we share with him. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader that would like to read 10 and 11? Okay, back to you, um, Fran. 10. You are so firmly joined in truth that only God is there. And he would never accept any, something else instead of you. He loves you both, equally and as one. And as he loves you, so you are. You are not joined together in illusions, but in the thought so holy and so perfect that illusions cannot remain to darken the holy place in which you stand together. God is with you, my brothers. Let us join in him in peace and gratitude and accept his gift as our most holy and perfect reality, which we share in him. 11. Heaven is restored to all the sonship through your relationship, for in it lies the sonship, whole and beautiful, safe in your love. Heaven has entered quietly, 
for all illusions have been gently brought unto the truth in you, and love has shined upon you, blessing your relationship with truth. God and his whole creation have entered it together. How lovely and how holy is your relationship with the truth shining upon it. Heaven beholds it and rejoices that you have let it come to you. And God himself is glad that your relationship is as it was created. The universe within you stands with you together. And heaven looks with love on what is joined in it along with its creator. Thank you, friend. And Donna. Eleven. Heaven is restored to all the sonship through your relationship, for in it lies the sonship, whole and beautiful, safe in your love. Heaven has entered quietly, for all illusions have been gently brought into the truth, unto the truth in you, and love has shined all illusions. Heaven has entered quietly, for all illusions have been gently brought unto the truth in you, and love has shined upon you, blessing your relationship with truth. God and his whole creation have entered it together. How lovely and how holy is your relationship with the truth shining upon it. Heaven beholds it and rejoices that you have let it come to you. And God himself is glad that your relationship is as it was created. The universe within you stands with you together. And heaven looks with love on what is joined in it along with its creator. Twelve, whom God has called should hear no substitutes. This call is but an echo of the original error which shattered heaven. Whom God has called should hear no substitutes. Their call is but an echo of the original error which shattered heaven. And what can become of peace and those who he heard Return with me to heaven, walking together out of this world and through another to the loveliness and joy the other holds within it. Would you still further weaken and break apart what is already broken and hopeless? Is, there he- is it here that you would look for happiness? Or would you not prefer to heal what has been broken, and join in making whole what has been ravaged by separation and disease? Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. Twelve. Whom God has called should hear no substitutes. Their call is but an echo of the original error which shattered heaven. And what became of peace in those who heard? Return with me to heaven, walking together out of this world and through another 
to the loveliness and joy the other holds within it. Would you still further weaken and break apart what is already broken and hopeless? Is it here that you would look for happiness? Or would you not prefer to heal what has been broken and join in making whole what has been ravaged by separation and disease? 13. You have been called together to the most holy function that this world contains. It is the only one which has no limits and reaches out to every broken fragment of the sonship with healing and uniting comfort. This is offered you in your holy relationship. Accept it here and you will give as you have accepted. The peace of God is given you with the glowing purpose in which you join. The holy light that brought you together must extend as you accepted it. Thank you, Robin Marie uh, and Karen. 13. You have been called together to the most holy function that this world contains. It is the only one which has no limits and reaches out to every broken fragment of the sonship with healing and uniting comfort. This is offered you in your holy relationship. Accept it here and you will give as you have accepted. The peace of God is given you with the glowing purpose in which you join. The holy light that brought you together must extend as you accepted it. Thank you, Karen. And thank you everyone who read this morning. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a lot in here, but I think just to touch a couple of paragraphs, three or four, uh, from the first paragraph to substitute is to accept instead. It is to fragment and exclude. And substitution is the strongest defense the ego has for separation. In paragraph three, the one emotion in which substitution is impossible is love. So, in substitution as a defense, you who believe that God is fear made but one substitution. It's taken many forms because it was the substitution of illusion for truth, of fragmentation for wholeness. You do not realize the magnitude of that one error. It was so vast and so completely incredible that from it a world of total unreality emerged and nothing you have seen begins to show you the enormity of the original error which seemed to cast you out of heaven, to shatter knowledge into meaningless bits of disunited perceptions and to force you to further substitutions. In six, that was the first projection of error outward. Call it not sin, but madness, for such it was and so it still remains. 
paragraph 7, the truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Inward is sanity. Insanity is outside you. You but believe it is the other way. That truth is outside and error and guilt within. Your little sub senseless substitutions have no substance and to judge them individually is pointless. None of them matters. In paragraph 8, turn you to the stately calm within, where in holy stillness dwells the living God you never left and who never left you. The Holy Spirit takes you gently by the hand and retraces with you your mad journey outside yourself, leading you gently back to the truth and safety within. Thus, he reverses the course of insanity and restores you to reason. In paragraph 9, within yourselves you love each other with a perfect love. Here is holy ground in which no substitution can enter and where only the truth about each other can abide. In you there is no separation and no substitute can keep you from each other. Your reality was God's creation and has no substitute. You are so firmly joined in truth that only God is there. And I would say amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Um, so let's see. I had to I had to kind of stop there and I know there are uh, favorite and meaningful paragraphs after uh, but my dog's afraid of a storm so I had to pick him up and hold him I'm so sorry um, I think we're close enough to the top of the hour where we can let this settle in gel with a holy pause to reflect on our lesson today so Fran I'm going to turn to you this morning once again uh, with our gratitude thank you and thank you thanks for that okay hi everybody we are still in the first part of the workbook and the section we're on is lessons 181 to 200 today's lesson is lesson 198 only my condemnation injures me so I shall read some and then we will do our five-minute practice on the lesson okay Lesson 198, only my condemnation injures me. Injury is impossible, and yet illusion makes illusion. If you can condemn, you can be injured, for you have believed that you can injure, and the right you have established for yourself can be now used against you till you lay it down as valueless, unwanted and unreal then those illusions cease to have effects and all it seemed to have will be undone then are you free for freedom is your gift and you can now receive the gift you gave condemn and you are made a prisoner forgive and you are freed such is the law that rules perception to condemn is thus impossible in truth Illusion makes illusion. 
except one. Forgiveness is illusion that is answer to the rest. Forgiveness sweeps all other dreams away, and though it is itself a dream, it breeds no others. Forgiveness is the end of dreams because it is a dream of waking. It is not itself the truth, yet does it point to where the truth must be and gives direction with the certainty of God himself. Forgiveness is the only road that leads out of disaster, past all suffering, and finally away from death. Is it not wiser to be glad you hold the answer to your problems in your hand? Is it not more intelligent to thank the one who gives salvation? His words will work. His words will save. His words contain all hope, all blessing, and all joy that ever can be found upon this earth. Today, we practice letting freedom come to make its home with you. The truth bestows these words upon your mind that you may find the key to light and let the darkness end. Only my condemnation injures me. Only my own forgiveness sets me free. Do not forget today that there can be no form of suffering that fails to hide an unforgiving thought. Nor can there be a form of pain forgiveness cannot heal, except the one illusion which proclaims there is no condemnation in God's Son, and heaven is remembered instantly, the world forgotten. Now is there silence all around the world. Now is there stillness, where before there was a frantic rush of thoughts that made no sense. Today we come still nearer to the end of everything that yet would stand between this vision and our sight. And we are glad that we have come this far and recognize that he who brought us here will not forsake us now, for he would give to us the gift that God has given us through him today. Now is the time for your deliverance. The time has come. The time has come today. So now we'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 198, only my condemnation injures me.
Condemn, and you are made a prisoner. Forgive, and you are freed. Lesson 198. Only my condemnation injures me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, guys. Did you want to say something about this? No, go ahead. You say something. Okay. <laughs> like what you say. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, feelings mutual. So my experience with this is that um, um, I have substituted because I was afraid I couldn't have what I wanted. And that's why I created substitutions. And then I condemned those substitutions because they were substitutions, because <laughs> they weren't really what I wanted. So then I started judging and assessing those substitutions. Um, I want only what is true always. Love is what I want. And I was afraid I couldn't have love. And so I, I created substitutes. I married one of those. <laughs> and then I judged and condemned that substitute. It wasn't fair to him. But Holy Spirit uses everything. So with the help of Holy Spirit, I can still find love. But what I'm being taught is that it, it's inside me. It has to come from inside me that the problem was that I didn't think I was love, loving, lovable. I was programmed to think that I was something else. And so the one that I have to forgive the most is myself for believing those lies. I'm innocent. I was programmed to believe those lies. And I have to reprogram myself. I have to retrain my mind using these lessons and using the messages that are given in this book that I am the love I'm looking for, that I am lovable, loving, and loved. And that, and that is God's plan for my perfect happiness. I just have to believe it and integrate it and be it so that the love comes from inside, not from me seeking it from outside because I don't believe it's inside. I'm complete. Oh, that was good. Thank you so much. That was great, Sandra. Yeah. I the love I'm looking for. I love that. Thank you, Sandra. Good morning. You said the love that's inside. Uh, condemnation is, um, for me, it's when I, I slip into the ego 
it's just all of a sudden I've lost myself. And I go, if I'm in condemnation, I've lost heaven. I've slipped into the outer dream, the external dream, the dream of falsehood and separation and illusions and fragmentation. And um, on the in, in the inner world, I think the takeaway for me from the reading for today was that inside, when we go inward, we find the stillness and we find the truth and we find a, a state of being, a spiritual state of being with unity and oneness and we're not identified with our bodies. We're not identified with all the fragmentation in the outer world and all the illusions and projections of the outer world. When we, when we come within, like in meditation or prayer or just the stillness of presence, when we come within, we touch our true selves, our divine selves. And in that, in that inner place, there's no condemnation. It's openness, it's sharing. And, you know, in the reading today, it said sharing has nothing to do with fragmentation. It's they don't, or separation, or substitution, excuse me, substitution. Sharing and substitution don't go together. Substitution is always judging against something. It's always fragmenting. But when we go within, it says the stillness, in the read in the lesson it says in paragraph eight, the stillness of yourself remains unmoved, untouched by thoughts of any condemnation which need forgiveness. Dreams of any kind are strange and alien to truth. So it tells us again in paragraph thirteen, stillness. There is a silence all around the world. Now there is stillness. Before there was a frantic rush of thoughts that made no sense. And now there is a tranquil light across the face of earth, made quiet in a dreamless sleep. And now the word of God alone remains upon it. That's where the Course keeps guiding us to go, in the Holy Spirit, in our self-identification with with our true self, which is spirit, not a body, not emotions, not um, the external identifications, but our internal truth of who we are. When we, when we really can get into that pure place, we just feel the love. We feel the peace. We feel the bliss. That's our true self. But if we condemn, our minds are instantly ejected from the place of peace. And we're back in the chaos. And when we're in the place of peace and light and truth, even with our eyes open, that extends through us into the world to heal the world, to forgive the world. Forgiveness means for me that when I'm thrust back into the chaos, I have to let go and ask the Holy Spirit to bless it and release it, forgive it, give it forth. I don't want any attachment to it. I don't want any self-identification with it. I don't want to um, hold on to the falsehood anymore. It said in paragraph 11, it says, Do not forget today that there can be no form of suffering that fails to hide an unforgiving thought. 
And that's a big one because if I'm in pain, I have to think I must be holding some unforgiving thought. And wherever that is, I want to let it go. And I have to pray to the Holy Spirit to let me not condemn something, whatever it is. If I need to know it, I ask the Holy Spirit to show me. If I don't need to know it, then I just offer it. I'm complete. Thank you. That was very complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Really quickly, Sandra, again, another thing that I have to forgive myself about is that I let other people define who I was instead of letting God define who I was. And I believed them instead of believing God. That's, a, that's deep for me. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Well, hi everybody, this is Lori. And um, two whiz. I love coming back to these two sections every year. Um, largely because of the way in the introduction you made but one mistake is introduced. And I can think of uh, almost every year we come back to this and uh, in my mind I frame that one mistake a little bit differently. Oh, that was the one mistake. 
Oh, that was the one mistake. Oh, no, that was the one mistake. And, and I notice uh, for every time that I read these two sections about substitution, um, it occurs that um, it's an unwinding uh, in my mind of various errors that um, I made in my perception of what God is, what I am, and what truth is. Um, and I like that. I really like that. That um, that he doesn't come right out and say, here's the one error. Let's get really clear about this. He's asking me to open up and let my mind be led to discovery of its errors. Um, the the statement on which, on which the introduction of this whole section center to me is in paragraph 8 where he says, Turn you to the stately calm within, wherein holy stillness dwells the living God you never left and who never left you. This turning to the stately calm within, so much of this chapter, chapter 18, is dedicated to um, achieving holy instant or opening the mind and heart to holy instant that contains a direct experience of what the truth is. And that direct experience reveals the fact that everything before it was a dream. And toward the end of this work, he says um, how important it is to realize that I'm the dreamer of this dream. That the dream seems to do all these things to me, but once I realize I'm the dreamer, um, my mind is free. Once again, to turn to this stately calm within, to the living God which never left you and whom you never left. I'm thinking of um, a, of a quote that I want to read directly so I can explain more clearly what um, what I think he's trying to have me learn. It, it's a quote from the Manual of Teachers under the question, Are Healing and Atonement Related? In that section he starts off with saying, Healing and Atonement are not related, they're identical. And then he says, the progress of the teacher of God may be slow or rapid, depending on whether he recognizes the atonement's inclusiveness or for a time excludes some problem areas from it. In some cases, there is a sudden and complete awareness of the perfect applicability of the lesson of the atonement to all situations. This, however, is comparatively rare. The teacher of God may have accepted the function God has given him long before he has learned all that his acceptance holds out to him. It is only at the end that is certain anywhere along the way the necessary realization of inclusiveness may reach him. If the way seems long, let him be content. He has decided on the direction he will take what more was asked of him. And having done what was required, would God withhold the rest? 
and that explains uh, to me why I love coming back to this section every year because every year um, it's revealed to my mind more of what the inclusiveness of the atonement uh, really means uh, yeah uh, that holy instant was a long time ago uh, but all along the way we measure time in a linear fashion you know but all along the way lessons have come here's another lesson on the applicability of the atonement oh here's another one oh here's another one here's another one and that's what ties this section and the lesson together so perfectly because in my experience I did leave some areas out of the inclusiveness of the atonement and I didn't do that on purpose I did it because I was unaware you know um, I was unaware he was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge I did not attempt to counteract error with from a top-down perspective but more from a bottom-up and this is what life uh, means to me not as a linear progression of time but as a revelation of more things that I can apply the lesson of forgiveness to so that the inclusiveness of the atonement becomes more real in my living experience of life anywhere along the way <laughs> he says the inclusiveness of the lesson uh, can come complete but along the way uh, I've determined a direction the Holy Instinct gave me a direction in my life and the Holy Spirit will lead me um, to the revelation of little fragments and bits that I've left out of this lesson little elements of judgment little elements of condemnation little elements of projection um, so that over time I become aware that I am the dreamer of this dream and this dream is converted to happy dreams and finally not a dream at all it is no dream to love he says it is no dream to love and um, and so that's why I love this section it, um, it explains to me the nature of my insanity and the change in direction towards sanity that I'm being led having made the choice to listen to the stately calm within and choose that voice above all others um, I am revealed to myself through recognition of the substitutions I still withhold from the lesson of atonement and that's not a willing error you see he says truth cannot deal with unwilling error I didn't will to make those errors it wasn't my will to make those errors but truth truth will correct all errors in my mind so that I am progressively led to the absolute inclusiveness of the lesson of the atonement that no one nothing 
is unholy or excluded from the mind of God. Um, truth will show me my unwilling errors when I bring illusion to truth. I'm complete. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. This is Lana. I love the, these two sections too. The introduction and the first and the second section. It's um, you know, it just feels like a love letter. You know, from my mother. <laughs> she used to tell me the the downside and the upside, and and that's what Jesus is doing here. You know, it's um, the way I receive it. Oh gosh, I have so many ways to receive it, but. The simplicity of salvation is the recognition that I am love and I am one with God. So whenever there's an indication that I've chosen a substitute for that, when I have projected onto the world or onto the screen of the world that it says here, um, the first thing I notice is I'm not at peace. And it could just be a twinge of an anxiety, a touching, a tightening of my chest. It doesn't even have to be a thought. I know that something has disturbed my peace. And I know that even if I did it unconsciously, I made a choice for fear. I reacted to something with fear. So since I know that's not my natural state, the only thing I want really is I want peace. I want to feel the love of God. And the story about whatever activated, reactivated in me, you know, that I can put that aside because I know that's just the effects of choosing, choosing it um, instead of love. It's the effects. But I also remember where the cause is. And I remember that there's no gap in, a, in cause and effect. So when I go to the cause, which is my mind, and heal that, because there's no gap in cause and effect, it's all swallowed up in that healing. And how it plays out, I have no idea. But I know the experience of it will be loving, and it will be peaceful. You know, it's, it's like... Um, I don't know how movie theaters are. I haven't been to one in years, decades, I guess. But you know, it's so that's such a beautiful, that's such a wonderful analogy because I'm sitting in the theater and I see the movie projected on a screen, and if I look up, I can see that beam of light shining through from the projection box. That projection box is my mind. I just have to follow that beam of light, not outward towards the screen, but inward towards the projection box. Follow that light back to truth and choose that. And then, you know, I have my kingdom I can rule, and I can change that projection of fear that's on the screen to an extension of God's love. And the whole story changes. 
you know, I'm no longer a character in the in this movie because that's what caused me a fear. I, I I thought I was instead of knowing I was just the awareness of what was on the screen, I became confused and thought I was in the movie. I was part of the movie. It's it's like when we have a nightmare at night when we're sleeping. We believe it's real and it frightens us because we believe we're a part of it. Um, and through just, you know, being present and recognizing my oneness with God and um, there's no substitute for love and there's no fragments breaking off of love, that love is whole, and all I have to do is join with that love, and there's no judgments because I felt separated from it, there's no judgments of any of the effects that are showing up within me, it's just a return to love, it's just a remembrance of truth. And that love just purifies everything. It's it's really phenomenal. Um, you know, no matter what the dream looked like, no matter what the story or the projection was, it's undone miraculously. I never know how. I I I only know that it works. I only know that forgiveness works. That when Jesus says, "I will forgive," and this will disappear. Oh my God, those words have become my mantra. You know, it's it's just noticing I'm not at peace, returning my mind to God, and just noticing and remembering that I was just mistaken. I just missed the mark. Oops, I did it again. And know, knowing that I can always find the love within. It's always within the projection box of my mind. It's always within my heart that I find love. And um, so it was a beautiful reading today. Really spot on, Jesus. You do it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I love your visuals. Yes, thank you for those visuals. Really good. Thanks. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lana. That was very helpful. Um, so glad. There, there's that line in the lesson that says that condemnation is a pain of unforgiveness. Um. That that really stuck out to me because I was feeling so overwhelmed with um, family situation that we're going through with the baby and the custody and court, and I was feeling so identified with it. I was just feeling, by the weekend, I was feeling so lost and tortured about it. And I kept trying to forgive it superficially, like... This isn't real. This is an illusion. This person is Christ. You know, the other person, the person that's blamed and condemned is Christ. But I didn't look at it inside myself in a, a certain deep way. That was the, there was pain inside of me because of the familiarity of the situation or the, the, um, the fact that this situation reminds me of my childhood when my parents got divorced and 
there was legal stuff, and I was intimately uh, involved in it. I had to go to court and testify against my father, which was like the end of my relationship with him, and all of this. But I didn't realize there was pain inside of me that needed to be forgiven and healed, and that what was happening externally was kind of a call to go within and find it, you know, to to forgive what was going on. Um, sometimes I forget that the, that sometimes it's just a superficial thing and it's just my ego mind having its, you know, its fitful interpretations of things. But sometimes it's about something that really deep that needs to be um, healed and forgiven. And... I think what the lesson was, or the reading was saying to me today is go into that light, which you were saying. Don't look at the projections in the external, but go into that pure white light within, and there it's on the altar. Put it on the altar and offer it to the Holy Spirit, meaning to forgive it and give it to the Holy Spirit or Jesus in that deep place. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank you, Karen. I'm really grateful that you emphasize light. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. This is Sandra, and I'm really grateful that you identified an identity because it's always an, an identity issue. And that's where my forgiveness has to come in, because sometimes I don't identify with the truth of who I am. I just have to forgive myself. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Yeah, good point. That is the essence of accepting the atonement. Uh, for me, ultimately, my own forgiveness has to settle in my mind before I can accept truth and be restored to my original state. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you all for your beautiful shares. Thank you, Lori, for um, speaking of the dream and the, you know, the heroes of the dream that we, you know, we all think we're these figures on the screen, the players in the movie, like Lana was speaking of, that the Course refers to in the text today, that we are the light, the mind that creates these images that we think we are. Every morning when we get up, I do it again and I do it again, and I do it again. I go to sleep, and I die to the image, the self-concept that I created. And I, I go to sleep again and again and again. And, you know, the Course, I love this chapter, too, because it, it really goes into this, you know, how we think there, there's a different reality between our, uh, what we call dreaming and the waking state. And it's... Um, you know, that we, we come to the awareness of how we think 
and how our thinking creates what we think is real and how our thinking about it maintains and perpetuates it. And the lesson today really, really spoke to me in a couple, I can't remember what paragraph it is. It's towards the end, one of the second to last paragraphs where it talks about nothing um, coming between God and his, his seeing me and my seeing and knowing him and um, that I would know my own holiness and my perfection and my innocence and that I am the light and I am the co-creator of all that exists in um, the world and all the universes. And this is, this is one magnitudinal kind of thing. It's no small thing and how we make ourselves little, how what we made of ourselves is an image of a body and a concept constructed from the memory of all the senses and the perception in the body that we claim as a me. And then I say this, this me is wrapped up in the skin, this concept of a me self that's separate from everything outside of it, which makes all that is the world. And in understanding this, really looking closely at this, what the Course has taught me to look at closely and see it, what it is that I made as a substitute for how God created me to be. This is my substitution for my true self. I've made myself little limited, separate, alone, and afraid in the entirety, in the totality of what is my reality in the truth, that I am one with my source. I've made myself this little fragment, this little itty-bitty segment. And this is what we've done to ourselves, and we believe this is true. Now, what do we do with this? Off the, take off the role, take off the superimposition of all the false beliefs and let him go. Let go of everything I thought I was, everything I think I imagined it. I imagined myself to be. Know that I die every night when I go to sleep and I'm at peace, dreaming of a world that's wide open to my imagination, beyond time and space, because that is what my mind is capable of or rest quietly in the peace, peace of the oneness of the awareness that I am. I am that never leaves me. It's always encompassing me and holding me close. And fast, the intimacy that I am, one with my source. Everything that is prior to thoughts, feelings, experiences, perceptions, I am is prior to everything in the mind's imagination. I have a mind that I must rule and know that I am the, the ruler of it, that I create myself every day and everyone else around me. Just letting go of the past. I don't know. I don't know. Why do we hold on to a limited, fragmented self a concept of self that we made in our own minds that we judge. 
we judge to be inadequate and limited, uh, not all whole and complete, and then we seek outside of it to find our completion in, in, in partial se- segments that can't make us whole because they're segments too. We're already whole and complete in and as our creator. So this is a wonderful, wonderful chapter and a wonderful exercise. But I want to I want to go back to the lesson and and repeat it once again for myself because it really made me think about what the text is speaking of, and um, that only illusions make illusions, and only illusions judge illusions. What's partial and in part judges everything from the point of view of being a part. That's its perspective. I'm a nitty-bitty part, and I look at... It's like looking through the eyes of a bumblebee and, and taking the bumblebee's re- version of, of what it perceives as reality. We're doing the same thing, taking the, our version of the instrument of our perception, our body, as reality. We are instruments of perception, perceiving through the body's eyes, seeking to find something that it knows. And it doesn't know, the body can't know anything. The mind knows itself when it knows it's God. The last paragraph, paragraph, who? There is no condemnation in, in the Son of God. He is, this is from the 14 in the lesson. He is perfect in his holiness. He needs no thoughts, no thoughts of mercy. He has no thoughts of needs. Who could give him gifts when everything is his? Who could dream of offering forgiveness to the capital son of capital sinlessness itself, so like to capital him, God, whose son he is, that to behold the son, the capital one son, is to perceive no more. This is it, is to perceive no more. That that speaks to me that I will no longer be an instrument of perception. I will no longer know myself as a reflection of God. I will know myself as the projector, as Lana spoke of. I will no longer perceive myself as an image of my own making. I will no longer perceive myself as a bodysuit a player, an image on the screen. And I who only know the Father as myself, in this vision of the Son, so brief that not an instant stands between this single sight and the holy instant itself. I see the vision of myself, and then I disappear into God. I disappear into everything. Everything ceases to look it's something separate from myself. The world's not going to disappear. The experience of the beauty of the God's creation doesn't disappear. It's my illusion of separation that disappears. That's the only illusion, the illusion that I'm separate. So I don't, I don't worry about the world disappearing too much. <laughs> joy, joy, joy be, let it be. Uh, it's all God. To judge part of it is to judge all of it. 
to separate a part of it is to separate a part of it from its wholeness, which belongs to God. I can't do that. I cannot do that, not to myself or to God or to any part of God. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I just wanted to comment. Thank you, Judy. Um, on your share, you you said not to be identified with the body and separate self. And I wanted to share. I'm standing in the woods in the park, and there's this huge pond, and it's covered with hundreds, hundreds of water lilies, just like Monet's painting pink ones and white ones, hundreds of them. And the problem is the contracted self is, the ego self is contracted and feels separate. But that's habit energy. And, and the practice is to feel the oneness and the ex, and extension of the divine into everything and with everything, the spacious self. So while you were talking, Judy, thank you so much. I was practicing just feeling the oneness of spirit with all of this place, blessing this place. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. That was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Yes, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. The the practice is, is practicing that everywhere. Not only where we like what we see, but where we don't like what we see. That's the practice. <laughs> Love you, Karen. Thank you. That, that was, um, Karen, I just loved, I love that metaphor. You know, ultimately, we're led to the realization that the world is not outside of us, that Uh, The world is inside of us, all of it, and um, and the the closest I can come um, in words to what that's like for me is like you described it. The I call it the photo mind. The photo mind goes about uh, snapping pictures, a picture of this and a picture of that, picture of the other. But in truth, um, there's a way of experiencing everything. Um, I'm sorry, that phone's... Let me silence that ringing just a minute. It's a lot like looking at a photo album. The photo mind goes about snapping pictures of this and this and this and this. But the real mind and heart in unity has an experience of this is what it was like to take that picture when I was in it and it was in me Um, and I have to be led or allow myself to be led to the experience of love that is true in every circumstance regardless of what my photo mind wants to make of it and in that way I'm ultimately led to the knowledge and I think it is knowledge that the world is in me and that I love it 
I love it more than I can express as a human being and uh, to claim that experience in whatever situation I'm in is I think the goal of living um, and I think that's what makes this heaven whenever I can experience my true relationship to anything uh, I'm complete Thank you, Lori. Thanks for that. Thank you, Lori. Yes. Hi, it's Lana again. And you know what I what I find, you know, I re- what came to mind as you guys were sharing was that simple sentence <laughs> that Jesus gives us. I don't know where he says the secret of salvation is, but this: you, I'm doing this to myself. And that's a huge recognition. You know, when I, that that point of recognition that I'm not a victim of anything that I perceive. And, you know, once I recognize that, you know, first there's, oh, I'm not at peace. Then the recognition, I'm doing this to myself. Then they return to oneness in my mind and and that you know it's more of a starting point in my healing than a destination to arrive at you know um, going through all this all these gymnastics of trying to fix the dream or the story but coming within to the source and recognizing my wholeness and oneness in God where there's no gaps, separation or fragments of that oneness of love. And and um, I've written before about, you know, the, the love, you know, my husband and I, and also my daughter and I, could use either relationship as an example, you know, where he loved me and I loved him. And given that, you know, there seemed to be a gap. His, his love could change my love could change but when we joined together um, there arose another love a a love of our joining our love that was a one love that we both shared we were both part of that one love and that one love no matter how much we argued it was the foundation of our relationship because it was once we decided to make our relationship holy by committing to each other and joining, it was in the joining where the gap disappeared. <laughs> and his love for me and my love for him became, became like a singular love. And, <clears throat> and that relationship exists with my daughter. It doesn't matter what our relationship looks like in time space we came together and joined in a holy relationship with a foundation that our love is one love which can't be separated which can never be destroyed no matter what shows up in this wacky dream you know that's holy eternal always present and um and I feel so blessed by by that because it wasn't always the case with my daughter. I had to 
really forgive myself of my condemnation of her drug abuse. I had to forgive myself, you know, like you were, I think it was Sanja that was here, and I had to forgive myself first in order to forgive my daughter. But I didn't have to forgive my daughter because once I forgave myself, my daughter showed up without my condemnation. My daughter showed up as peaceful. You know, because of the inclusiveness of oneness and wholeness and love, you know, all these little effects of our misperceptions get swallowed up in that love, in that one love. Because like I was sharing before, there's no gap in cause and effect. Where I heal the cause, all the effects disappear or are resolved in a loving way. And that's been my true experience through all these years. Once I heal my mind, um, everything else falls in place. The body, the people, the world, (laughs) everything seems to show up loving and lovely. And all I did was remember that I'm doing this to myself. And not to not do that anymore, <laughs> to choose wholeness and oneness and God and love, make that the foundation of my life and and my living, and my and it becomes my experience then of peace, all the attributes of love, gratitude, kindness, compassion. They all are the same. So anyway, I'm complete. That was beautiful, Lynn. That was just so spot on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was good. Thank you. (laughs) The The entirety of miracles in one little paragraph. It was just great. This is Sandra again, and I love that. Um, I love the focus on taking responsibility because I'm responsible for the reality that I'm creating in my life. And it's just, you know, and that's why I have to keep going to Holy Spirit because, because that's when I know <laughs> if my reality isn't, isn't peaceful and loving and peaceful and peaceful and peaceful, then, then I know that I'm engaged with the ego and it's again not to not to beat myself up not to not to you know condemn myself or judge myself it's just it's just a choice i'm making and i can choose again and i may have to choose 50 times in one minute (laughs) um but i'm i'm determined it's what i really want and so i'll keep choosing for god and I'll probably keep forgetting, but I'll keep returning back to God because that's where my comfort is. I'm complete. Love that. Thank you. Just, just beautiful, Sandra. Thank you. And you know what? We have to end this recording, um, but not the call. And you gave me a perfect segue to a poem I wanted to include for the op- for the closing today if you don't mind. Uh, It's a poem from Bianca Spiritino. 
and uh, it points the way, I believe. Be the person who cares. Be the person who makes the effort. Be the person who loves without hesitation. Be the person who bears it all, the person who never shies away from the depth of their feeling or the intensity of their hope. Be the person who believes in the softness of the world, in the goodness of other people, in the beauty of being open and untethered and trusting. Be the person who takes the chance, who refuses to hide. Be the person who makes people feel seen. The person who shows up. Trust me when I say, be the person who cares, because the world doesn't need any more carelessness, any more disregard. Because there is nothing stronger than someone who continues to stay soft in a world that always hasn't been kind to them. Thank you, everyone, for showing up every day. And we'll end the recording, but uh, not the call. Thanks for that, Paul. Thank you. you are the person who shows up. And you are the person yeah. who upholds the truth in everyone. You are yeah. that person. Yes, we all do. Absolutely. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.